Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 55 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the good brother, TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, man? What's going on? Oh, uh, you know, having a, having a pretty good week, PT. I'm actually having a pretty good week. As uh, you know, I've been back to school this year. Um, and uh, I got my results. Pass everything. I'm good. I'm golden. Hey. A rare Joker W where I, you know, I've, I've actually uh, passed my classes and stuff. And, you know, now it's, uh, now it's like the stressful part of do I get into the next course? So we'll see. Fingers crossed I do, but I'm, I'm riding that high at the minute. Congratulations for sure. Not very much. It is that time of year, getting into the latter portions of May and into the early portion of June where we are, those spring semesters for a lot of folks and kind of college as well as high school and things of such is winding down if you're graduated or you got it upcoming, depending on where you are. Congratulations for passing classes and extra special congratulations to you. I know it's been an interesting thing to kind of get back into a school workflow, especially for us maybe being away from school for a little bit. So kudos to mm. you, my good friend. Cheers, appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's been a hot, hot minute um, since I've been to school. So it was very, uh, it was a shock to my system going back and, you know, having to learn how to academically assess myself and, and do all these assessments. But thankfully, it was coursework based all um you know essays and uh assessments and things i got there even a nice little powerpoint presentation didn't do too badly i don't think um but yeah i legitimately have been uh everything else was sort of out the window this week didn't care about anything was stressed about the tail end of the week because i knew the results were coming out here and i was like all right nothing else exists so yeah well, awesome. Congratulations on passing the class. At least that semi part of that and that chapter is in the books, in the pocket, out of sight. But we'll see how things progress. Hopefully you get to get into your next course on your journey. So again, congratulations for you. A little bit of that stress, excuse me, is taken off you, but some new stresses there for you. So understandably, and hopefully other folks that are Going through work or going through school, hopefully things are going well with you. So we're going to get into some interesting topics here about some upcoming shows and some championships. So appreciate you coming along this journey. Before we start, we here at Kayfabe Council are saddened by the passing of the Iron Sheik. Our thoughts are with his family, friends, and fans at this time. All right. As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. In this week's episode, we look at Seth Rollins, a fighting champion. AEW, New Japan, Forbidden Door matches announced. And Asuka given a new championship title. So, coming up first. Seth Rollins, fighting champion. So we saw 
the first of the defenses here this past week on Monday Night Raw. Seth Rollins had an open challenge, to which was answered by Damian Priest, and they faced off once again on Raw for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, solid match. It was a back and forth between these two men. Made note of some of the highlights. Priest hitting a Frankensteiner, which was awesome to see. But Seth kicks out and hits a pedigree. It slow crawls, but only gets a pin for a two count. On the outside, Rollins power bombs Priest into the barricade. So we have bringing that back. Seth, please be careful. Uh, we get a super kick from Seth that takes out Finn Balor trying to do a run-in. But Damien levels Rollins with a lariat. And we get the finish of the match. Sees Priest hit a south of heaven. Damien favoring the shoulder. And Seth kicks out at two. Priest tries to go for a razor's edge, but Damien's shoulder is too injured. A super kick, discus forearm, and then another forearm to the back of the neck. And we see Seth Rollins win by pinfall using a stomp to retain the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Joker, start off first. What did you think of the match? I liked it. It was fine. It was it was it was one of those matches you put uh, two really good uh, people in the ring and uh, you're going to get a really good result. Um, my favorite thing in wrestling is callbacks and continuity. And uh, we had that. We had that here and I loved it. I absolutely adored the fact that earlier on in the um, in in Raw, we we had that sort of in-ring segment with with Finn and Damian and Seth. Seth was making fun of Finn for, you know, being injured and having a short reign and all this here. It was because of Seth. And if you'd seen that match way back whenever uh, Finn became the uh, inaugural Universal Champion, you will remember how he got injured. And we saw those spots like you, you alluded to with the uh, the sort of buckle bomb onto the uh, onto the barriers. That, that, that was, yeah, that was a thing. That's that's how Finn tore that uh, shoulder. So um, whenever I saw it happening, I immediately winced and was like, "Please no, please don't do this." But I love to see it. You love to see callbacks. And um, Seth actually referenced parts of parts of his match with Finn. So um, yeah, it was good. It was fun. I wouldn't exactly say that this is my favorite Damian Priest match. I think he set the bar too high with the Bad Bunny match. So that's maybe just on him. Um, and it's not my favorite Seth Rollins match. It was it was a fair match, um, but uh, I don't know how I feel about Finn intervening and then Damian going, "Why are you out here?" kind of thing. You know, don't think I'm quite in the mental headspace to even begin teasing a breakup of Judgment Day. So please, don't even start to try that. Yeah, interesting callbacks within said match. Of course, Damian Priest being a stablemate with Finn Balor in the Judgment Day. Callback, of course, with the powerbomb into the barricade, which, of course, you alluded to. Happened in the match at SummerSlam 2016 for the inaugural WWE Universal Championship, which, of course, Finn won, but was injured. In the match, of course, from the barricade piece and had to give up the championship. So 
Seth, of course, like you said, mentioned it in a promo earlier in the night. But yeah, to my knowledge, this was the first uh, matchup between Seth and Damian Priest. So honestly, with that, I felt like they worked de decently well together for a at least an entry level into a program or for a first time matchup. So yeah, I can feel there was a little bit of interesting potentially seeds being planted with the promo earlier and Seth and Damien sort of having a respectful exchange and then mentioning that they'll leave the party members in the back, of course, alluding to the Judgment Day stable. But then Seth, excuse me, but Finn kind of showing up and and Damien saying, hey, what's going on? So planting seeds, don't know if that's a little bit of a neutral turn for Damien, whether that's maybe him potentially wanting to go out on own. I don't know, but layers to the cake, layers to the onion, always add intrigue. Oh, definitely. I just, like I said, not in the mental headspace for, for this turn right about now. I'm all for, you know, having that sort of anti-hero res respect the opponent but brutally beat them down vibe that Damien Priest always has exuded. Um, you know, it's 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 Lone Wolf Baron Corbin, it's early Archer of Infamy Damien. It's just one of those things that I like to see the big guy who is clearly physically dominant um and will just be able to throw this person around respect someone but manhandle them like a child and that's what that's what i want to see from him um I, I i'm wondering whether or not if we're sort of pushing towards a rerun of that SummerSlam match where we're sort of bringing finn into the four i'm going to give him a title shot soon um only for then Damien to maybe do a similar stunt where he comes out to help and uh, cost Finn that match and then we sort of start to show cracks uh, within the Judgment Day only for Mommy Rhea to fix everything and you know, Judgment Day is fine um, that would be a fun sort of interaction where we could see them maybe hash things out uh, I would like to see that anyway, I don't know if there's any other sort of outcome that I would enjoy seeing yeah it's quite interesting there's been notions of these guys have been together for roughly a year's time well kind of and dominic came on a little bit towards the latter portion of 2022 but they have such good camaraderie in terms of in the ring as well as outside the ring you see them just having uh, having a good time being around together and supporting one another so it's fantastic but you also hear every once in a while there's rumors of maybe potentially adding another member to that stable. So if that ever comes to fruition, it could change the dynamic, whether that's replacing a member, which I don't know if we're going down that route, or just adding another person, but could be an interesting dynamic. And how Raw ended with Finn just staring down Rollins from uh, the ring, which... Finn was in and Rollins was on the entryway. So, I mean, it could be a parlay to be another callback to that match, another feud between the two men. We saw most recently in the Raw final for that. 
WWE World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. They faced off, and that, and I remember the match at SummerSlam 2016. These guys work well together. smooth. They have fun and intriguing matches, so I wouldn't be mad if we end up getting that once again. No, it definitely wouldn't be. It would be something that I would like to see, and um, to your earlier point as well, it's like maybe throwing, you know, splitting these guys up. Um, People can have singles reigns within a faction, and I just want to remind WWE of that, because every time we have an interesting faction, there's always the fact that nobody can have a uh, substantial singles reign. I think the only sort of faction that we've seen uh, to recent memory that has, you know, successfully handled this has been New Day, uh, where we've had Kofi and Biggie both hold the, the heavyweight title um, and King of the Ring for Xavier Woods. Like, Everything else is always like, oh, we got to turn on my partner and turn on this person, or it's a marriage of convenience. And yeah, I, I even though it's only been a year um, since you know Finn joined the Judgment Day, um, I, I really feel like this still has legs for all four individuals in the Judgment Day. Um, if if anything, we've seen that the bloodline has gone on for three plus years almost. Uh, so why do we need to get rid of the judgment there? I don't think we do. Uh, definitely, I do see singles gold in their future. Unfortunately, Gunther is on that brand, so it's definitely not going to be intercontinental gold for a while. Um, but um, hey, tag team gold. We could be seeing uh we could be seeing some more tag team action very shortly with the fact that uh Kevin and Sammy are actually defending their title. Um so hopefully that'll come over to Raw. Maybe we'll get a, a Finn and Damien tag and um maybe eventually whenever Gunther surpasses Honky Tonk, uh Dom Dom can become the Intercontinental title holder. Interesting for sure. So yeah, definitely I could see that panning out where they can still have legs. You mentioned New Day as well as Bloodline. We can have factions be long-term and still have story and try to still make them interesting in terms of holding championships, single and tag otherwise, and still supporting. So it's not the old school, early 1990s where we have to break up tag teams constantly. So it is what it is. Mm. But in terms of Seth, just trying to be out here and... Always going to put on solid matches regardless of the opponent as well. And his claims of making the championship and being a fighting champion. We have a excerpt from a podcast. Seth recently appeared on the My Love Letter to Wrestling podcast. And Rollins stating, quote, I think just kind of calling it a work rate title is a little bit underselling it. At the end of the day, the title exists because our roster is so chock full of talent. There's just too much to have one champion that's not around very much. And so I think the fact that we had so many worthy contenders, people that could hold this championship, I think it's the reason this title exists. So of course, alluding to the fact that for the longest time, for over a year's time, we only had Roman holding two championships, world titles. Of course, with his most recent 
part-time status. He just wasn't making appearances. Very rarely made appearances on Raw, if ever. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for that. But in terms of the notion of a work rate or a fighting champion, I did make note. So in the 14 days since winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions, Seth has defended the title three times. Two times against The Miz on house shows on June 3rd and June 4th, and against Damian Priest on Raw on June 5th. Seth has already have another title defense booked for July 7th at Madison Square Garden against Damian Priest. Conversely, the last title defense for either the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship held by Roman Reigns was 69 days ago. Nice against Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. So Joker, you have to say, Rollins is delivering on his word of being a workhorse champion, at least in the early stages. Yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, Rollins has equaled title defenses that Roman has done this entire year. Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania, right? Those are his three matches. I believe so. Kevin Owens, Sami, and, and Cody, I think, are That's his three correct. opponents. That's correct. In two weeks. Like, yeah, 100%. Good job. And two of them are Miz. Like, I, I love The Miz. And The Miz is, you know, on high shows. Like, we still count those. Um, like, yeah, I'm, I'm all for this. I love that quote. You know, uh, you, you know yourself, I have been really annoyed at the fact that Roman has held two titles for, for this long. I don't like um, Undisputed. Uh, champions because having two belts on one person does lead down the path of well we have this roster of people but now they only have one belt because we have a brand split now they only have one belt to to fight for and unless you're tippity top of the scale you're not fighting for the double belts you're only fighting for one belt so i haven't liked um roman's uh sort of undisputed reign don't get me wrong, I, I, I think his universal reign, everything that he's done since coming back uh, during lockdown, you know, whatever he had to do to stay him stay safe, like, I think it's been great for Roman's career. But giving him the two belts is wrong. Because it just stifled creativity, and it stifled that excitement factor from the fans. Because this was always going to happen. He gets to be the big star and he turns into John Cena or The Rock, goes to Hollywood, you know, this, that, and the other. I just don't, I just didn't like it, don't like it, and everything Seth has said um, is, is true, is valid, and I'm glad to see it. It's an interesting notion of if you were going to put two championships on an individual and have them appear semi-regularly at the least, and potentially appear on both shows if the world titles were from each show, thing like that. But now it's another nature of you're putting it on an individual who, by all intents and purposes, if they earned a part-time status, if the company's okay with that and the performer's okay with that, then obviously good on them. You know, we want to make sure that these guys and these gals are healthy and can have a life outside of the ring as well. But it creates a significant challenge, much like you said where if they're not even there for weeks and potentially months at a time and not even defending championship, less opportunities for 
folks in the upper card or even in the mid card to have programs, to have storylines, to help elevate them, to make them better and potentially make them main event talent. So it's just, it's a, it's a rough go depending on how you slice it. So it's good to see that Seth wanting and at least in the early stages showing that he's the work rate or a workhorse champion again introduces a lot of opportunity for folks i mean we saw the the two titled events of the house show it's good for sales that you're advertising a match hey uh, the big the big champion's going to be at the show so you can buy tickets to see that and an open challenge that damian priest we've seen his stock rise especially in the early portion of this year, uh, culminating, of course, with that match with Bad Bunny and Backlash. So very good showing by many accounts that he's very high standing in terms of the management team. So that's fantastic. We're seeing folks get an opportunity. So we're making the title feel important. You have a champion that shows up who defends the title, does not back down from challenges. It's always good to see. So dare I say... Doesn't need to have ref bumps, doesn't need to have outside interference to win their matches. So it's nice to see a deviation from a quote unquote formula. But the champion's off to a good start. We see that Seth is at the helm. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, definitely. Seth is one of those characters that, um, whether heel or babyface, he, he always puts on a good show, has good um, charisma and um stability in the ring and outside the ring and we were talking about it weeks ago before night of champions that this is my this is my pick to be the champion because of all those things and you know he's a safe pair of hands to put your championship title on and yeah it's it's just been it's just been really good to see the fact that last year where i was getting sick of seth versus cody uh, you know, back to back to back pay per views. We saw the progress of Seth's character just kind of come full circle and become a natural sort of baby face. Uh, even though he was a heel, he was you know that heelish character to Cody's Superman, and it just became so natural to see Seth as the top guy again. Yeah, quite interesting. The over-the-top, overzealous, sort of cackling chicken s heel that sort of the character, especially in 2022, is and was and sort of naturally transitioned to a baby face. Wasn't kind of like a big kind of dynamic thing. Folks were chanting the song and sort of he slowly turned baby face and kind of just didn't antagonize the crowd did not antagonize opponents, things of that nature. So it's a very interesting, many folks were writing off, like, this is such a weird gimmick for him. Like, can this be a title holder? Can this be sort of a top guy kind of gimmick for him? But he's proved them wrong with just getting over naturally. So it's always good when you don't force a turn and folks kind of do it naturally, whether that's a face or a heel turn. So definitely a good on Seth for sure. But the notion of opportunities, we saw, of course, Damian Priest calling, excuse me, or answering, rather, the open challenge for Seth. We have Braun Breaker, former NXT champion, calling out Seth on NXT this past week. So 
that's another potential match. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Seth is going to journey down to NXT and appear on their show. And we had the aforementioned Finn just staring Seth down after the Damian Priest match on Raw. So setting the seeds for potential multiple opponents. Rickard, who would you like to see face Seth for the championship? Finn Balor. Definitely 100%. Um, in, terms of, in terms of just right now, right here, right now, Finn Balor, 100%. Um, interesting, interesting matchup. Um, Chad Gable. I think Chad Gable and, and Seth could absolutely tear the house down. And giving that man a, uh, giving that man a shot at, at, at a title, like, you can't go wrong. I honestly really want to see this be the year of Chad Gable kind of pushing towards singles status again. I'm not opposed to the Alpha Academy and I love I love Otis. But um having Chad Gable just kinda not be in tag team matches where he can show off like please just put him back into singles matches for now. Um eventually I want to see him face off against Gunther. Uh, I think uh, once we have uh, dethroned Honky Tonk as the as the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion, there will be a dethroning, uh, and that record will stand. You know, such a long period of time. Gunther is an absolutely amazing champion, and that is another workhorse title. And I believe that in promos that will be referenced that he is the true workhorse. He he brought that title back to um back to prominence and who better than to dethrone uh Seth than uh Gunther and to elevate this title and we all saw for the past 365 days because I believe we're at 366 now um how Gunther has had a stranglehold on everybody because the only relevant titles have been the US and Intercontinental and anybody that Gunther has fought has just been chopped into oblivion. It's been fantastic to see. So you roll that into the world heavyweight title. That man could hold uh, could hold the title for a year on that that end as well. So just off the top of my head, those couple of people. Um, I'd also maybe like to see LA Knight win the briefcase and uh, cash in on Seth. But you know, I think that would be poetic if we could have LA Knight cash in on Seth freaking Rollins. Um I just I would just love to see that. I don't think that's gonna happen. But um a little little, little part of me, PT, is just kinda holding out hope that we hear that uh that uh, techno LA night music just pop out in the middle of a in the middle of a match and um yeah. Love to hear the beginning of GTA San Andreas and followed by LA Night. <laughs> So it is what it is, a little callback. Whether that's real or not, that's what I always hear when LA Knight's music hits, regardless. <laughs> Those are some fantastic names. I love that sometimes you and I are, are very much on the same wavelength. So I just took a quick look at the roster and just denoted a couple of names as well. These are kind of non-title-holding people that could, or that I might like to see have a match with Seth maybe in the next, like, two to three months. So Chad Gable, of course, just beast. I think those two would just have a really solid match. Mm. Ben Balor, of course, 
Love the callback to that. Johnny Gargano. Yes, that'd be good. So they just would have a, just a fun match. Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know if Shinsuke or Seth have had a match, but if they have, it's been a long time. If they have not, I would love to see that. Bronson Reed, because the Clash of Styles would just be super interesting. And then, of course, sometime down the road, of course, Cody Rhodes. So mm. I just think some of those names would just have intriguing matches, whether that's a Clash of Style, whether that's a work rate thing. I think it would just make for a fun and engaging match. Yeah, I think I think 100% like some of those names there. Bronson Reed, definitely love me some Bronson Reed. Um, not sure I want Cody anywhere near this title, I'm perfectly honest. Um, I think that would have to be way down the line and he wouldn't fight Seth for it, uh, personally. I don't want to see Seth versus Cody for Um and I definitely don't want to see it for a title. Um it's just one of those things. But um, everybody else, yeah, like Johnny Gargano and Seth, I believe, were set up at the top of the Elimination Chamber at one point. Um, they were having a bit of bounce. Uh, so I would, I would definitely see a singles match between those two. Um, unfortunately, he is on SmackDown, but another uh, tag team. Uh, tag team, actually, bo- actually both of them, just the Street Profits. Just get in Angelo Dawkins uh, as well as Montez Ford. Like, give them both. You know, just a shot of the title, because I love those two. Um, yeah, but everybody else, hundred percent agree. Uh, I don't think there's any end to the amount of good matches that Seth Rollins can have. Agreed. So a lot of folks that we would like to see have an opportunity with Seth being able to give out opportunities. So we shall see in the coming weeks and months who we can have a matchup on Raw or a pay per view. Or maybe another show that Seth is either challenged on or goes to. But we'll see. Good on Seth for, in the early stages, being a fighting champion and having solid matches like you know he will. So those were our thoughts on Seth Rollins being a fighting champion. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are on Seth Rollins holding down, being a fighting champion and who you would like to see face Seth Rollins for the title. All right, next topic here. We've got a couple of matches announced for AEW and New Japan Forbidden Door coming up soon. The first of which is Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada. So at Dominion in Osaka Joe Hall, Blackpool Combat Club's John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli teamed up with Moxley's protege Shota Umino to face Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii for the never open weight six man tag team championships. But the team unfortunately failed to defeat the champions. After the match, Moxley took the microphone and presented a video package for Okada. The video featured fellow BCC member. Brian Danielson, who challenged Okada to a match. And then on June 6, NJPW held a press conference where Okada accepted Danielson's challenge for the pay-per-view making the match official. Hot diggity. So I had to look this up real quick just to make sure. This is indeed the first ever match between these two. 
So Joker, is this something that you would like to see? Are you excited for the match? Hell yeah. Like, who is not excited for that match? Like, I saw the vignette. I saw the, 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 the package that uh, they put together. And it was amazing that you just kind of, you know, Daniel just, Daniel's just narrating this and, you know, uh, there, there'd be no rain in the desert or whatever he said right at the end. I was just like, oh, dude, like, this, is a, this is a killer promo. I love it. Um, I, th I think that it's this being the very first match uh, between the two. Um, Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega whenever he came to AEW was an absolute barn burner. Love that match. I reckon we're going to see something so special out of these two. The the only thing is like Okada has like a lot of enemies right now. <laughs> it's Okada versus the world, and I feel like you know. Depending on who actually attends Forbidden Door, Okada could get his pan knocked in <laughs> and not by Danielson. I'm just super excited to see this match. This is going to be a good one. Oh, for sure. It's definitely, there's a lot of folks gunning for Okada now, and now we're adding Brian Danielson to that list. But be that as it may, I think it's very exciting because, once again, like we said, this is a first time matchup between these two men. Both these guys got strong cardio. Both these guys can go. Uh, they can put on long matches. They can do some storytelling elements within said matches. So even if this ends up being like 15, 20 minutes within the show itself, this is just definitely potential for a match of the night contender because these guys can do technical. They can do, once again, like I said, storytelling elements. They can do a bit of high-flying I mean, drop kicks and Busaiko knees and submissions. Like, it's just going to be crazy good to look forward to. So, definitely stoked to see this one for sure. Definitely. All right. And the other match announced for Forbidden Door Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. So at Wrestle Kingdom 17, Will Ospreay lost the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship to Kenny Omega. In April, New Japan announced a tournament to determine a new number one contender for Omega's championship, featuring Ospreay, Lance Archer, Juice Robinson, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Finals took place on June 4th at Dominion where Osprey defeated Archer to become the number one contender for the U.S. title. Had to look this up as well. These men have faced off many times in multi-man matches, uh, but this will be the third one-on-one -on -one match. First, December 12, 2015 in PWG, and the aforementioned January 4, 2023 at Wrestle Kingdom 17, Kenny has won both matches. My man Joker, are you stoked to get a rematch here between these two men? I love me some Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. Are you kidding? Like, just seeing these guys um, promos against each other. Uh, I love Will Ospreay's intensity, his passion, and his changing style. Uh, he's definitely... 
gone away from that sort of uh, kill myself uh, on my sword sort of offense to a more practical style for himself uh, because, you know, his injuries and his body wear and tear and things like that there. And I think the same could be said of Kenny Omega as well. We, we were worried last year that we weren't getting Kenny Omega back at all. And now we've, we've got Kenny back. Um, so seeing these two clash for a third time in singles will be amazing. Um, the the Wrestle Kingdom match. The <laughs> we talked about the Wrestle Kingdom match, and the match that followed was for the IWGP Heavyweight Title, and it featured AEW star Jay White versus the guy that's fighting Brian Danielson, Kazuchika Okada. It was a good match. Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay was an amazing match. So much storytelling, so much just absolute brutality in that match. There's technical wizardry. It was great. High spots. Um, and pomp and circumstance, because these two guys know how to make an entrance. And we all know I'm a sucker for a good entrance. So, yes, I am definitely looking forward to this one. Oh, for sure. So definitely we have two matches, strong matches booked already for the show. So if folks were on the fence about maybe whether they're interested in the show or whether it's going to be intriguing matchups, we have two high profile matches for sure. But that may not be the only two high profile matches here. We have a, another rumor of a match for Forbidden Door. So I have a note here, according to a report from Fightful Select, the, quote, working plan is for Kenta to work the show. Recent interviews of the former Hideo Itami in WWE has stated that he'd be open to working the show, quote, if the money is right. Such a good brother and such a good worker. As of the writing, this there is no word on whether the deal to have Kenta appear at the pay-per-view event has been finalized. And then finally, it has been said that CM Punk may be the potential opponent. Of course, Kenta and CM Punk have been involved in a long online feud over Punk using Kenta's finishing maneuver. So, of this rumor match, whether it's real or whether it's not, would you be interested in a Kenta-Punk matchup? Five second squash match, Kenta wins, GTS immediately give that man his bag. 100% I would be down for that, PT. What do you mean? Like, legitimately, it needs to be a squash, though. Like, CM Punk gets the ring, gets immediately donezoed because that's what he deserved. He blatantly stole the GTS, which he has admitted to in interviews. And he has said, I stole it from some poor guy called Kenta over in Japan. I didn't even change the name. It just Blatant, I blatantly stole it. Kenta went to WWE, couldn't use the GTS because who was the big guy at the time? CM Punk, and he was using it. Imagine the champion using your move while you're stuck down in NXT and you're told you can't use the move you come up with. Hell yes. Vindication for Kenta. Give that man his back. He's actually on Twitter saying, Tell Tony Khan to give me the bag. Give that man a big old bag of money, TK. You make that match. You sack Punk off. Give it to Kenta. Bish bash bosh. 
I wouldn't be mad if we end up getting this match. Would be, if I'm not mistaken, the first matchup between these two men. And of course, the discourse over that finisher, the go to sleep. So I'd be open to that. Whether or not we get that remains to be seen. The politics, the creative, the cash has to be correct. But I would also be interested in seeing that. So I think somebody needs to tell Kenta, though, because... He did come back whenever somebody said, I think that Naito would be a better match for, for Punk. He actually came back on Twitter and says, sounds good to me. They're not going to give me the bag. So Punk versus Naito, do it. I don't care. Like, the man just wants his money. I think at this point, the revenge against Punk is kind of just there. He just wants the money for the match. And I don't blame him. But uh, part of me would just be, it would be nice and... Uh, joyous for me to see the GTS used against Punk by the guy who actually made it up. Wouldn't be bad either. Kind of goes into the shoots a work, works a shoot. The Kenta character is a sort of no-nonsense but kind of careless. Eh, I don't care. Whatever, as long as I'm winning and I'm fighting and things as such. So Be that as it may, if it's a little bit of a shoot-ski, if it's a work-ski, it's all kayfabe, but will remains to be seen on whether we get that match. One final question in this little subsect of a topic. Would there be a match that you would be interested in seeing if you could potentially put an AEW wrestler and a New Japan wrestler together? Good question. The New Japan wrestler is Jeff Cobb. Just because it's Jeff Cobb. And um, Orange Cassidy. Jeff Cobb versus Orange Cassidy for the international title. Do it. Give it to Jeff Cobb. He's your new AW international champion. When I thought of this question and I thought of you, because it calls back to when we were last year, when around this time when the G1 was going, and you mentioned you enjoy you some Jeff Cobb. I thought to myself, would Joker be interested in another big meaty man slapping meat? Matchup with Jeff Cobb and maybe a powerhouse hops, for example. Just two big beefy boys going at it. I mean, that'd be a good match, not gonna lie. That that would that would give me joy. I think that I think that, that would that would probably be a close second for me. Is it's just so surprising to see how agile and athletic Jeff is that I think him versus a healed up orange. Let Orange maybe have a couple of weeks off, please, before this match happens. And then just just to see, you know, Jeff absolutely destroy the man. You know, I think it would be so much fun. It would just be, a, you know, one of those things that obviously Orange is going to have such good offense and, and you know, get all get all the, the Orange punches of the day in and they want to tour the islands and you're down for the count, Mr. Punch. So, um, yeah, I think I'd pref- I'd prefer that one. I do I do like that or house hobs maybe for uh maybe for the future though. As you were saying that you mentioned a couple names during the section, and I instantly thought now, as you were giving conjecture, a Orange Cassidy and a Naito, because these guys sort of have a carefree, sort of tranquilo, if you will, sort of mm-hmm. attitude. So it'd be interesting for a little bit of the the gaga and the playing up of the really cool guys fighting off, but can go. So I thought maybe that could be interesting if that ends up being something. So 
that was actually a really good shout last time. Just yeah, Naito versus Orange Cassidy would be super good. Yeah, that that again. I think we're we're gonna shift Cobb and Hobbs into third. That's a close second. All right, fair play. So those would be interesting matchups, nonetheless. But yeah, I think this is coming off of the announcement of the two matches. Looks like we're starting off strong. So yeah, I think this has potential to be a really solid show and the intriguing matchups that we could get. So I'm definitely interested. It sounds like you are as well. Definitely. All right, so those were our thoughts on the matchups announced for AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube and or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know if you are excited for these matchups announced and what you would like to see in terms of a match at Forbidden Door. All right, last topic here we're going to cover on the show. Asuka receives a new... WWE Women's Championship on SmackDown. So, of course, on said show, SmackDown, Adam Pearce is in the ring with a pedestal and a new title belt for Raw Women's Champion Asuka, who makes her entrance. He takes the old WWE Raw Women's Championship from Asuka and puts a new WWE Women's Championship around her waist. Or he could finish. Enter Charlotte Flair. Pierce asks what Charlotte is doing, says he thinks he knows, and tells Charlotte she needs to get in line. Charlotte says she doesn't wait in line, she made the line. Charlotte challenges Asuka to a title match, which leads to Asuka speaking Japanese before accepting in English. So, real quick, first portion here the new championship belt for. Asuka here, the WWE Women's Championship title, which is very reminiscent of the title that was bestowed upon Roman Reigns. Essentially, this is the uh, white-strapped version with the yellowish-slash-gold background behind the big WWE logo. Interestingly enough, they are calling it the WWE Women's Championship, although it does have Women's Undisputed Champion on the nameplate underneath the WWE logo. But that notwithstanding, Joker, your thoughts on the new championship? It's, yeah, it's their marketing, it's their branding, it's... Basically, go back to what I said about the belt for Roman last week, and then copy-paste that here, but replace black background with white background, and you have my exact thoughts. On, on this new belt. It, it, it's, it's one of those things. I, I'm actually kind of happy they did this as opposed to a belt swap. We left it a wee bit too long for a belt swap, so cool, we're, we're going this new, new direction um, and we're going to give them new belts, update everything. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it's received going forward. Uh, everybody always has their opinion on a brand new belt, and it's never favorable because they've always just been used to the previous belts. So um, we'll, we'll see how everybody else likes to uh, 
likes to think of this one. I, I reckon in a couple of weeks, everybody will be fine with it. Um, I was a little bit maybe annoyed that it was Adam Pierce that did it. Uh, I really do feel like Triple H should have been the one to do this as well. There should have been the same or similar pomp and circumstance given to Asuka for a new belt as there was for Roman. Now, obviously, the situations are a little bit different. Roman having over a thousand days. Um, I'm not saying you need to give her like a 30-minute celebration like we did last week, but to have, you know, Pop H come out and present her with the belt, to me, would have given the better impression. I'm not taking anything away from Scrap Daddy. I love Scrap Daddy, but um, I think uh, Pop H would have been better situated here like he was for his uh, men's champion last week. It's a fair observation. Didn't necessarily think about that until you mentioned it. The correlation of Triple H presenting Roman with the championship and Adam Pierce presenting the championship to Asuka. I think in terms of the design, I think it'll, much like we did with Roman being presented the updated title as well as we now had the introduction of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, when we see it for a couple weeks, it'll seem a little bit of a normal, we'll probably get used to it, much like you said, so anything new can be a little scary, but when we have it presented, okay, this is just what this is now, so it'll be probably accepted a bit more. And the notion of Adam Pierce presenting that title to Asuka, much akin to Triple H presenting Roman, I think it's intriguing. Now that you mentioned it, I think the pomp and circumstance of the big person, the big executive, the big head honcho in Triple H presenting Roman made it feel special. Not to say that Adam Pierce, one of the officials handing the new championship to Asuka diminished that, but I think it maybe played in part with the second portion because both segments had interruptions, but in the previous week, Triple H noped out of there real quick once the Usos music hit, but Charlotte's return sort of parlayed into the styming of the authority figure, so maybe that would not have played with Triple H, but speaking of the return of Ms. Charlotte Flair. Interesting. You gotta love the entitled heel character of Charlotte. She loses the SmackDown Women's Championship to Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, goes on hiatus, comes back, and immediately demands a title match. This is very much shades of 2022. Charlotte began the year as SmackDown Women's Champion, loses to Ronda Rousey on May 8th, Backlash, goes on hiatus for eight months, returns on December 30th episode of SmackDown, asks for an impromptu match on Ronda, who had just competed in a match, defeats Ronda, and of course, if you were paying attention, we're having Charlotte hold a championship every single day, but she was active for 2022. So, taking nothing away from Charlotte as a performer. Absolutely a beast of an athlete, crazy athletic, puts the work in. I'm not discounting that there. But we've seen this heel Charlotte already so many times over. I feel like I like the hungry competitor, but the entitled heel Charlotte character is a bit of a rinse, wash, repeat. 
What about you? Yeah, I'm done. I heard by dying all heal the queen and don't get me wrong i love that new little ad addition to charlotte's charlotte's theme but my eyes rolled i sighed heavily and i went why are we doing asuka like this asuka needs to fight eo that is the match none of this none of this you know charlotte flair comes back because nobody's invoked the name charlotte flair in six months no one cares, all right? We have like, PT has likened her to Poochie, and I agree. If no one's talking about Charlotte Flair, why? People need to be talking about her when she's not on screen. No, Charlotte, I get that you're the 14-time most decorated women's champion. I get that. But not everything is always about a title. You want to have more title reigns than your pops. I get that. But that does not come at the expense of you just coming in, and whenever you don't have a title, you go away. At least for me, she detracts from every title she holds. Personally, I think she should be taken away from the title scene and crushed by Asuka in this match. But we all know how much WWE hates Asuka. Because... Nobody's ready for Asuka except the writers when they write her into a hole and she loses every single match unfairly. It's so BS. I want Charlotte to be staring up at the lights and then go on to a program where she isn't chasing a belt. Because to me, that would give me more interest in Charlotte. Because as you said, recently her tenure in WWE has been to see a belt, take a belt, hold a belt, lose the belt, go away. What, what's the point in her? What, what is the point in a character like that? It's absolutely stupid. Blows the mind. And we have better matchups in Asuka versus Io, Asuka versus anybody else that's on that women's roster. Shayna Baszler, love to see that at some point for crying out loud. I would love to see, um, you know, some of the new girls that have come up through, uh, through NXT. I'd love to see that. Why can't we see any of that? You know, but no, got to go and try it and test it and make sure that we can have 16 rain Charlotte Flair by the end of 2024. It, it, it's, it's absolutely stupid and I hate it. And yeah, I'm done with it. It's quite intriguing, the lightning rod that is Charlotte Flair. Again, I am just intrigued by it because I take nothing, like I said, take nothing away from the athlete that she is. She's proven that, you know, she can go in the ring and she can work. And I think that's, that's a fair play. I don't think anyone can take that away from her. But it's, I've mentioned it and you said it, the, the poochie nature. Uh, we haven't talked about her. We haven't seen her. Oh, we should uh, come back. Oh, now's the right time because we have thing. But I think it's an opportunity overall of the challenges we face with booking the women for WWE as well as AEW. We have this sort of thing where we just constantly rely sometimes on the same performers. And Charlotte, you know, she's proved that she can go. But yeah, it's one of those things. And you, you also mentioned that the, at the expense, perhaps, and from a perception standpoint. Not saying it always is the case, but 
from a perception standpoint for the likes of an Asuka, who's really much a utility player. She's a plug-and-play if we don't have a challenger. If we think of the, the relationship Asuka had sort of last year into this year, she ended up facing Bianca Belair for the championship numerous times in singles matches and or with Alexa Bliss in there thrown into a singles match or a triple threat or what have you, and then ended up going heel to face to just be a friend of Bianca and then went away for a little bit and, hey, we need something, came back at the Rumble with the, with the Kana-esque repackage. Okay, we, we didn't do anything with her for a little bit. Okay, now we really need a challenger for Bianca. Okay, so we'll get, uh, hey, Asuka, you're always fantastic. And we did, to be fair, a lackluster build for both of those women to discredit them because they deserve so much better. And then, of course, we was in the background a little bit, and then she won the championship from Bianca again. So, it, like, it's confusing. I don't know what we're doing in terms, we've again talked about the numerous opportunities in terms of booking the women strong and giving them storylines. But, yeah, I think it's one of those where... Like I said, I like to see hungry contenders. I always like to see the characters, whether they're male or female, doesn't matter, asking and wanting title championships and wanting opportunities. But you get this notion of, man, just too much. And you get a little bit of that Poochie reference, but it's like, man, we don't want it to be where, regardless of Charlotte's trying to be a heel or she's trying to be a face. We get that feeling of here we go again because we know it's just going to be potentially the Charlotte show. To that, one of your last points, I would love to see just Charlotte work matches and be awesome and not be in the title picture and work, have all these different matches with who else we got. We got the, the Shayna, we've got who else, like a Shotzi or a Tegan Knox or, you know, just folks maybe we haven't seen a ton of matches with and... Uh, they may be on Raw, but the the Caden Carter, Katana Chance, all these just different people that I would love to see maybe just have a match with Charlotte. So I don't know, man. I We know that at some point they're going to want to push for Charlotte to get that 20th championship reign. So in fair play and in fairness and in storytelling, Asuka would get the win to avenge that WrestleMania match that she lost her streak, her undefeated streak to Charlotte, but I don't know, man. Just it's the booking, really, that kind of scares me. Yeah, the the booking is is the main thing that I will always bemoan uh, around Charlotte Flair. I have never and will never say anything about her athletic ability because you know it's an absolute, like you've mentioned before, it's an absolute beast. You know, I I could hope to hold a candle to that kind of athletic ability, but it is her booking that I will always, always trash on. Um, she always seems to have this spotlight shone on her when she's even trying to help make stars. Uh, case in point, whenever she lost to Rhea Ripley, there was equal screen time of Rhea Ripley holding up her title and Charlotte Flair lying on the floor, smiling as if to say, that'll do, kid. It's like, you know, get get the camera out of Charlotte's face. We don't need to see her in defeat. We have to celebrate the champion, not commiserate the loser at Mania. It just, to me, 
it's always the Charlotte show when she's on TV. It's no longer Raw, SmackDown, or whatever pay-per-view. It's Charlotte show. Because that's legitimately who we have to deal with. And it was fun for a while. And I did like myself some Charlotte Flair for a long period of time. But it's just one of those that I just can't like this booking. Um, and it frustrates me to see that Asuka, who has been serially mistreated, is likely to be mistreated here again. And there's nothing we can do about it because once once Charlotte then loses to the Money in the Bank winner, then she'll go away on a hiatus, come back in in six months and beat whoever you know beat her before because. You know, she can't have a loss against her, and then that'll be championship 16. Just goes back to the booking. Charlotte is a reliable worker. Plug her into matches, and she can be successful and work well with the other folks, but they're always going to seemingly put her that tried and tested true nature of trying to just put her at the top. So, again, strong performer, strong elements there, can't knock it. So, We'll see kind of how that pans out, but we have this new championship belt. I'm going to go ahead and assume that Rhea is also going to get the same treatment, trading in her SmackDown Women's Championship for a presumably WWE Women's World Championship, sans the heavyweight, but that'll probably happen, so the sort of symmetry and rebranding, I believe, most likely will probably take place. Oh, 100%. It'll... it'll... I would I would love to see them just call the WWE World Women's Mommy Weight and she just permanently holds the title. Uh because, you know, I I don't really I don't really see anybody coming to um dethrone Rhea at all. Uh but yeah, for branding purposes, she's likely to get a new belt. Yeah, it makes sense for the symmetry purposes. So but it looks like we're going away from the branding of like a raw or a smackdown naming convention which may indeed happen with the tag team championships held by kevin owens and Sami Zayn, that may also potentially go by the wayside as well so we could see if that does indeed happen fingers crossed all right lastly here in terms of uh the women's division we're also looking at a unification match for the wwe and nxt tag team championships we'll see that match actually in two weeks where we'll see ronda rousey and Shayna baszler take on Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. Of course, we've mentioned it numerous times here. We want better booking for the women's division. Naturally, we've just stated that we've had issues with booking and storylines for not only just regular matchups, but the championships. So I think with the observation of the infrequency of both the tag team championships being defended, it just seems like it's either a booking issue or we just don't have women tag teams. It's one, maybe the other, maybe a little both. What do you think maybe might be the issue? Um, a lot of women's tag teams are basically just two single stars. Like in the history of uh, WWE's women's tag team division, um, because it has it is so young, um, everybody except the Iconics, I believe, 
in in recent history are specifically single stars. Even Albafar and Isla Dawn, two separate single stars. Uh, Katana Chance, Caden Carter, again, single stars. Uh, back as far as uh, the now Mercedes Monet and Trinity, uh, they were both single stars. Now, it, it's just we have very few specific tag women's tag teams, which is why we have this cursed championship, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, in the re- in the most recent uh, defense, which has led to the fact that we have um, Ronda and Shayna holding them, uh, we lost both uh, Dakota Kai and Liv uh, Morgan, who are both injured as a result of matches surrounding this whole tag team championship. It's it's also been hot potatoed, back and forth, you know. Damage Control had it for five minutes. Oh, by the way, Becky and Lita need it. Oh, Becky and Lita are done with it. Who wants it next? You know, that kind of thing. Um, Stability is what we need for this women's tag team title. Uh, We definitely need to see stability and relevance and um, just, just kind of make sure that these titles are seen as desired. And to that end, I have a real issue with the unification match, even though, you know, we have to make it desired. Because who do you even pick in this outcome? The newcomers, Aladon and Alba Fire, need to be buoyed up. They need to be seen as big new stars upcoming. But you have the baddest woman on the planet and the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler, just kind of sat there holding these titles for like five minutes. What are we going to do? This, this, this honestly seems like you're going to book yourself into a really bad position. You either squash the newcomers, which is bad for them and doesn't really do anything for the two veterans, or you have the two veterans lose to the newcomers, which does everything for the newcomers and just kind of makes the titles that they held really irrelevant because what were we doing here? You know what I mean? So it's a difficult position. Um, to be put in, I feel that uh, this is this is just difficult. This is difficult to even surmise what's going to happen with these. It's a challenge, nonetheless. I think it's circumstantial. I think it's it's of course it's booking on the management side for the Booker man. So how do you present? How do you organize? How do you portray? And of course, it's on the performers to execute, but. Yeah, it's been a challenge, for sure. Like, obviously, we have a lot of talented women there, and as you were mentioning, the roster itself. Like, of course, I recall the Iconics, and they were for sure partners. They were sure like a tag team, but a lot of times you had booking of circumstance. Like, you had the team of Bailey and Sasha, which even had a tag team name. You know. The hug and boss connection so you had that notion of like they were they were in it to be it to be a team they were supporting one another it kind of made you make sense but a lot of the teams per se have just been single stars or just opportunity based i think taking nothing away once again from these from these women but i think Ra- raquel rodriguez teamed with Leah. i think they held the the championships 
We ended up having Rodriguez teamed with Shotzi at one point. Then we went with Liv, and then we went back to, to Shotzi. So there's been a lot of moving around. I think we've had an odd team of Lacey Evans and Zia Lee randomly at one point for a show. So I think it's one of those where just we're trying to figure it out. There's been a lot of moving parts kind of going on. We've tried to have storylines and folks in singles championship with the two titles but then we've also tried to do something with the tag teams and have actual teams and sort of a, a semi-division in and of itself so it's been a challenge nonetheless i don't think folks can argue with that can we do better i feel like we can do we know what that is i don't know if we know exactly what can be a fix or what can be a uh, sort of band-aid on it but in terms of the unification match, yeah, you mentioned the the NXT champions, Alvafire and Isla Dawn, not backing down from Shayna and Ronda. I loved that. It just wasn't like, all right, we're just going to have two teams just go at it. So it's a, it's a deviation from characters being scared of a Shayna or scared of a, of a Ronda. So. And you're absolutely right, though, in terms of who do we have win. Folks are going to say the safe bet is Ronda and Shayna have to win because they're the bigger stars and things of such. But honestly, like, I wouldn't mind seeing Alba Fire and Isla Dawn just go ahead and win that. They get a big old push ski. They get a nice rub from a Shayna and a Ronda. There's potential murmurings that Ronda is set to take some time off very shortly. So I don't know if that potentially comes into play, but in the grand scheme of things, I feel like it'll do more good for Alba Fire and Isla Dawn to win and get a bit of a rub from Miranda and Shayna than it would do to hurt Shayna and Ronda by winning that. I think it would do more good for the NXT Tag Team Champions than it would for that. But regardless... I think you're right. I don't want to be the booker having to make that decision for sure. 100% definitely don't. I, I do I do agree that it's definitely better for Idadon and um uh Alba Fire. Uh a, a bit of a, a bit of a selfish on my part that I kind of would just want to see a cage match between Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. Legitimately, just cage match, fish bash bosh, go for it, girls, because I think that would be one brutal match and doesn't matter who wins. Whoever comes out of that cage is literally just going to run roughshod over the um over the entire women's division. Because how do you make a person who, like, let's face it, can go toe to toe with Ronda Rousey, the baddest woman on the planet, and you know Shayna Baszler, e- e- even if even if we do kind of you know maybe work this a little bit and Ronda Ronda taps or whatever you know whatever I don't care. Uh, and you know how do you how do you just ignore Shayna Baszler as like the queen? Of, like she's just so good. Why are we underutilizing this woman? And then you got you know Ronda Rousey, like you know she she breaks people's arms for for breakfast. Like that match to me is more important. Seeing that one on one match, I just want to know how we get there because we're in a very weird position with these two characters. Um, maybe this is the start of that. 
there have been the the mumblings, the rumors. Then again, we fall back to the whole hot potato of the titles. They haven't held them very long. Uh, whoever gets these titles at the end of this unification match needs to hold on to them for an extended period of time. We need to stop with this hot potato, uh, this pass the parcel, if you will. Um, just stop it. The booking is awful. Fix it. And we'll just get back to having stonkers matches. Uh, because if anything, uh, if anything, some of the women's matches are far outstripping the men's matches. Uh, and, you know, that can be down to the fact that some of these uh, female athletes are just absolutely excellent. So just showcase them better. Showcase them better. Give us good booking so they can be put in opportunities to excel like they can. So real quick, you say it, fight pit match, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler. Does Ronda put her good friend Shayna over? Get a little bit of that Rebski? I would love to see that. Because I'm just a big fan of Shayna Baszler. I have been since NXT. And I just I just want to see her. I just can't get her out of my head whenever I think of Elimination Chamber. I just remember Shayna Baszler going absolute full psycho mode and beating everybody and then for some reason you know she's like is not doing anything for two years like come on how do you fumble that ball ah you think rondo put her good friend over i think she would especially if she's kind of got one foot out the door temporarily i think rondo would put her good friend over um it just it just be the right thing to do fair play i wouldn't mind seeing that for sure all right so Covered a lot on the women's portion. The ending result is, like we've mentioned numerous times, for both WWE and AEW, we want good booking, we want good storylines, we want more for these gals and these guys to be put in situations where they can excel. So, come on, booking team, let's, uh, let's make them good let's put them in good situations let's book them as good as we can like we can book the men all right so those were our thoughts on asuka getting a new championship charlotte's return and hopefully what we may see from the tag team women's division let us know down in the comment section below on youtube or hit us up on twitter instagram and let us know what your thoughts are on New belt, the return, and who might win the unification match between Ronda Rousey and Baszler and the NXT team of Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. Let us know who you pick. All right. Interesting show. Covered a lot of championships. Covered a lot of returns. Covered a lot of new matchups upcoming. We ended up chatting a lot about things, but I feel like we hopefully have fun things upcoming in the future. Yeah, there's definitely potential for some real fun matches in the next uh, next couple of weeks uh, for Forbidden Door. And uh, yeah, for uh, WWE as well. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the outcomes of, uh, of these matches. Um, and uh, yeah. There's there's definitely going to be some people that are going to be heated either way. How dare you? I am giving my time to watch matches that you've put on, whether they have story or not. 
that I'm either watching for free or legitimately paying for. How dare you waste my time? Is what some folks might say. But geez, Louise, <laughs> you're going to get folks that are going to be very excited. And much like you said, you're going to get folks that are absolutely disdained about some of the upcoming matches and what's going on. Can't please everybody all of the time. You can please some of folks some of the time. But if you're in it for the wrestling, if you're in it for the fun, we've got an interesting next couple of weeks slash months upcoming. All right, we're going to wind down on out of here, friends. So for TF Joker, I'm in it for the fun. Hopefully you are too. And for me, Pretty Tony. Thank you for your time, letting us be a part of your day, and remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.